0: Everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit on all the latest and greatest news of the week. Bayern Munich has been in training camp in Doha, so you know there is a lot of news dropping from that. As always, Bayern has been involved in the transfer rumor mill. There have been a lot of things going on, uh, some speculation about where some key players might fit into the club in the future. It's just a lot. It's the normal Bayern Munich crazy week. And this one's a a little bit special because it's just a week before we'll see them face off with Arbe Leipzig in the Rook Runda, well, for all intents and purposes, the Rook Runda opener. I know technically it's not the start of the second half, but uh, it is the uh, first game after the break. So for me, it is the Rook Runda. And I'm excited about that match. I think it's going to be a good one, even though both teams will likely have some players missing because of injury. Uh, But either way, uh, the start of the Bundesliga second half of the season is always something that I look forward to. It's the stretch run. It's the start of a very compact schedule where the deepest and most talented teams are going to have an advantage. Of course, Bayern Munich is one of those teams, and it should be fun to see how things play out with them. After losing a couple of key players like Manuel Neuer and Luca Hernandez, uh, to name two, of course, uh, things will not be quite as easy as they might have once looked. But Bayern Munich is a very good squad. They have a very talented coach. So I'm anticipating things going well. But there will be some intrigue, not just in the Bundesliga, but in the DFB-Bokal. And, of course, in the Champions League, where things are really going to be a little bit nutty as PSG awaits Bayern uh And I got to be honest, that's one of those times where the draw, while it looked, I don't want to say favorable in the beginning, because matching up with PSG is never really favorable for anyone, Um, at least this version of PSG, but it did not look like a killer draw. It looked like something somewhat attainable, not somewhat attainable, but very attainable for Bayern Munich to be able to win. Now, of course... With some of the absences, it's very much up in the air. And in fact, if you were to ask me right now, I would tell you that PSG probably holds a little bit of an edge in that matchup. But that is all discussion for another time. Right now, we're going to get to the five things that we learned this week. And the first thing that we learned was that there were some very interesting takeaways from Bayern Munich's training camp in Doha. And one of the things that really like leapt off the screen to me was the acknowledgement that the five young players that Bayern Munich brought to the camp were all really asserting themselves well. And I think it was great to see that because one of the criticisms I know I've had in recent years is that Bayern Munich has done well to sign and bring in young talent, but they have not done much to really develop them and make them top tier, top flight players. Uh, We just haven't seen that next step of development and that progression, especially for these kids who were brought in at a younger age and have spent time in Bayern Munich's academy, working their way up through the system, we just haven't seen many of them develop into good first-team players, whether it, at Bayern Munich or anywhere else. So to see the the youngsters come in and really play well and impress some of the veterans, I think it was a good step. And of course, those players were Arjen Ibrahimovic, Tom Ritzi who is a goalkeeper, uh, Tarek Buckman, who is a defender, attacker Yusuf Kabadai, and midfielder Lovro Zavonaric, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But for this, I just mostly want to talk about Ibrahimovic and Buckman, who both were among the leaders or best youngsters that were invited to the camp. Now, you might say, well, that's two out of five, great achievement. But uh, in the Aben Zeitung report about training camp and how the youngers performed youngsters performed we did see that ibrahimovic and buckland were both called out for their great performances uh ibrahimovic particularly distinguished uh was particularly distinguished by his quality uh which in my mind means he was not only able to go and show the skill that he has but he was able to perform against those veteran players uh ibrahimovic to me is a very intriguing prospect because he is a bit of a wild man in how he attacks. He's got a ton of skill, a ton of attacking ability, and he's not afraid to make mistakes on his way to an attack. Um, Of course, this probably can drive some coaches a little bit crazy, but Ibrahimović has that scorer's mindset. So I'm very, very intrigued. This is to see where he ends up playing. Uh, A lot of his work has been done as an attacking midfielder. He, of course, has played on the wing and also as a bit of a striker as well. I don't think he's going to be the next generation. Robert Lewandowski for Bayern Munich, I don't think they view him as a striker. Uh, We could see him, uh, because of some of his physical traits, end up on the wing. Uh, He is a bit quick. He has the footwork, I believe, to be able to hang out on the wing. Um, But I do think that the question of where he would fit in long-term as an attacking midfielder is definitely up for debate because you look at this roster and we always talk about the the glut of attacking midfielders that the club has. You know, Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala, Paul Vonner. I mean, Serge Gnabry wants to be an attacking midfielder. Leroy Sané has done well there. I mean, we see so many not just on the first team, but also coming up through the system. Uh, you could argue that Gabriel Vitovich, who's out on loan, is best as a second striker or slash 10 attacking midfielder. So there are a lot of options on campus, out on loan. Ibrahimović is really going to have to distinguish himself. He's going to have to show that he can bring something to the table that maybe some of those other players don't. And I think for him, his best attribute is his hunger for the goal. I think he loves scoring. And if you watch clips of him, if you get a chance to watch him play in any games, you'll see that, that he is a determined scorer. He will sometimes do some crazy things (laughs) to try and create opportunities for himself. And I think that he's not, in my mind, he's not really too selfish of a player because he does create offense for some other players as well. But he is someone that could distinguish, distinguish himself in that way. And maybe with the type of talent that he has, Uh, maybe cause the club to look at how they're aligning uh, themselves and what kind of formation they might want to use. When you look at, you know, two of the most prominent younger players on the first team roster, you look at Jamal Musiala and you look at Paul Vonner and you say, those two players are probably best at playing as attacking midfielders. So at some point, something has to break. Uh, And Ibrahimović, with all the talent he's showing, if he doesn't make it at Bayern Munich, it does look like at some point, he will be an attractive transfer option for another club just because of his talent and his really just the insane desire to score, which I think really will attract some other clubs. Personally, I'd love to see him make it at Bayern Munich, but the backlog and the log jam at the attacking midfield position is crazy. And it drives me even more mad when I see that Byron is always linked to an, another young attacking midfielder somewhere in the world. I think we just saw one recently, a story this week that they were uh, linked to uh, an attacking mid from Italy who is playing at Celtic. So uh, it's always crazy to me that that is the position that seems to be the one that is always Uh, at the forefront of Bayern Munich's transfer list, even though they have so many quality options on campus. As for Buckman, I think he's also a very interesting figure because as a center back, you would think he might have the opportunity to break through and if not jump into the rotation next season, at least be that deep defensive reserve on the bench that we had seen in years past. And whether that role was filled by Chris Richards or Tengai Nianzu, Byron always seemed to have one younger player who was on the roster learning and working day-to-day with the professionals, but really was not going to get much game time. I don't know if that's a successful type of arrangement. Uh, as you could see, it resulted in transfers for both Richards and Nianzu, and I would say they were successful transfers in that Byron made a heck of a lot of money off both players. Uh, the problem, of course, is that you do at some point want to see some of these academy players graduate through the system and make it to the first team. Uh, as for Buckman, he is uh, someone who I think at best would be that fourth center back next season. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Daly Blind after the six-month contract. I would think if he, you know, if he's able to assert himself at Bayern Munich and show that he can be a versatile player that can play anywhere across the back line, or at the defensive midfield spot, he might be able to earn himself another year contract, uh, which would probably make him the third center back in the rotation. But either way, I do anticipate that Bayern Munich will be looking for an experienced third option at center back next year. Of course, we don't know how long Luca Hernandez will be out. I'm anticipating he'll be out at least uh, until September. Uh, when he will start to work himself back. If I were Bayern Munich, I would probably not bring him back until the rough run to next year, just because I'd like to give him just about that full year off to try and not just recover from the surgery, but rehab properly, mostly because I think Hernandez's game is predicated on his explosiveness and his burst. And if he doesn't have that, or mentally he's scared to ramp up to that speed, he is going to become a less effective player let's face it, he's not a huge physical presence like a Matthijs Delict or like a Mats Hummels or Jerome Boateng at the center back position. He's a smaller center back, relies a lot on his speed, and what he's able to do with his quickness, especially his side-to-side mobility and his agility, it's not able to be matched by a lot of center backs out there, which makes him very unique. But without that, He's just a smaller center back who is quite aggressive but might be foul prone if he can't quite cover the same amount of distance that he's used to. So uh, Buckman will have the opportunity, I believe, next year to make the team. I just don't know how big of a role. But either way, I think it's been great to see that those five players were able to come in and really assert themselves. And I think Thomas Muller was able to to provide a nice little quote on that. And, you know, he said, if you're you know the biggest tip is to find a mixture of humility and to not freeze in shock and talking about um the youngsters and how they were able to come in and you know for him it was you know one of the things he talked about was you have to be cheeky especially the offensive players and i think that's where ibrahimovic has probably been able to really stand out because he does have that fearless attitude where he's able to come in and really show what he can do so Uh, Great to see that the youngsters are performing there. As far as some other takeaways from the camp, I think we did have some clear winners and losers from the camp. And included in the list of winners, of course, are all five of those youngsters, uh, including Ibrahimovic and Buckman, who I, you know, stood out in the mind of the observers there at the camp. I think another winner that we saw was Daily Blind because. Not only was uh, you know he able to procure or secure a contract with Bayern Munich, but he was able to come in at this time where he's going to be able to put himself on display, uh, not just for this season, but to hopefully get himself a contract next season, either with Bayern Munich or somewhere else. It's the perfect chance to showcase himself as a veteran defender, as someone who can come in and contribute to a squad. Uh, So just the situation alone makes him a winner. He made a very smart decision in signing with Bayern Munich and should be able to show what he can do. And he is expected to play against Red Bull Salzburg. Of course, by the time you listen to this, uh, it will be released before the match. But uh, many of you don't listen until uh, at some point over the course of the weekends with the friendly being on a Friday uh, at noon on Eastern in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. Uh, many of you will, of course, already know how Blind did in his appearance against Salzburg. Another winner, I think, that we saw, and this is again, he's a winner based on the circumstances surrounding him, is Benjamin Pavar. Uh, Pavar is someone who, you know, he had uh some disagreements with the coaching staff at the end of the Hinrunda, had a disastrous World Cup where he bad publicly battled with Didier Deschamps. Uh he drew some ire from his French teammates. Pavar was in desperate need of something to divert the attention from all of that nonsense that happened over the past couple of months. And just by chance, Pavar, again, is locking into a position where Nusarma's rally is out with a uh, condition with his heart associated with COVID. So uh, Pavar instantaneously becomes that starting right back without really having any competition. And we weren't really sure... Based on how things had went, based on Pavar talking so openly about a transfer, uh, how that would be perceived and how it would play out with him in terms of a starting role. Uh, but that Mizraoui's ailment takes him out of the mix. Pavar becomes that instant starter again. He may even get some time at center back, given the fact that Matthijs Delict is nursing an ankle injury. So if that is the type of injury that lingers, Pavar could get some time at center back as well so he didn't really even have to work to be a winner in this but he was anyway um as far as some of the losers go and it's a tough one two players I just mentioned Matthijs DeLict, having an ankle injury after a, a really t- terrible World Cup for him where he barely played not the way you really want to start out the second half of your season so delict very unlucky but uh this seems to be a trend for him this season uh he just has not had luck but you know some people say you make your own luck and I think you know those of us who who like DeLict as a player but have had some reservations about how he has played and some of the decisions he has made on the field we'd be feeling a little bit better if he was at least completely fit and healthy but right now he's not uh another loser for this camp was Mesrali who uh you know, whatever you believe about how the situation played out with him having COVID at the world cup. Uh, he was in line to at least compete for a starting role in the, in the Rook Runda. This ailment, uh, uh really now limits his ability to do that. And he'll be out for quite a bit. So, uh, again, not his fault that he's a loser in this scenario, but, Uh, you know, he is definitely a player who had a lot to gain, but now is not really going to get that opportunity to show himself right off the bat. Some other losers, Sven Ulreich, uh, you know, you would say, why is Sven Ulreich a loser here? Uh, he should be a winner because he is now the starting goalkeeper, but the bottom line is there's a story every day breaking now about how Bayern Munich needs another goalkeeper. And it's to the point where even club officials are saying that they need to bring someone else in. Admittedly, you can view that one of two ways. You can say, well, of course, they want to bring someone else in. They need some depth. The only other player behind, or the only other players behind, uh, Ulrich right now are Johanna Schenk and, uh, Thomas Ritzi Holtzman, who, you know, they're both young, both inexperienced, both not the type of player you would be able to throw into a Bundesliga match and really have a lot of confidence in at this point. Uh, But Ulreich is, is, you know, despite his status as the number one right now, he's undoubtedly seeing the stories that are out there. He knows that Jan Sommer is interested in in a move to Bayern Munich. He knows that Bayern has been linked to half a dozen different goalkeepers at this point. So whether anyone wants to admit it or not, how this is all coming across is that Bayern Munich as a club does not have a whole lot of faith in Sven Ulreich. And we'll dive into the goalkeeper situation a little bit later. But Ulrich cannot really come out of this being considered a winner, even though he's now the starter, because there's just so much doubt, it seems, raining down on his ability to lead this club. So uh, definitely not a winner coming out of the camp. But finally, and this will roll into the second thing that we learned this week, Thomas Muller was a loser in this camp. And again, not through any way he performed that we can tell, but that the early reports out of Bayern Munich were that Muller is now going to be out of a starting position. So the second thing we learned this week is that there are a lot of questions about Thomas Muller's role with Bayern Munich moving forward. Now, Thomas Muller has been the 10 for Bayern Munich, and whether you consider him an attacking midfielder or a second striker or even a false nine, however you you want to classify how he has played that particular position at times over the years, really doesn't matter because he's manned that spot behind uh, the striker, and he has done a just unbelievably efficient and quality job throughout his career. Make no mistakes, he's not just one of the best German players. He's not just one of the best Bayern Munich players. He is one of the game's all-time great players, one of the most successful and most driven players I think that anyone has ever seen, at least of this generation. Um, Where it becomes complicated now is you have this odd changing of the guard time for Bayern Munich where the team's veterans like muller and manuel neuer they're they're now moving toward the twilight of their respective careers where sure if they were in a lower league or if a lesser league i should say if they were over in the united states playing for mls i would say like yeah you could probably see them playing at a high level in those types of leagues for for quite a bit longer but in the bundesliga and in europe uh the greatest talents in the world are consistently being brought in. So now Muller finds himself in this weird position, seeing that Jamal Musiala now appears to be the number 10 of the future for Bayern Munich. And the future is now from what we have read so far, Musiala will be the starting 10 when Bayern gets back and moving. Now, if that actually plays out, if the team continues to play in a four, two, three, one, that all remains to be seen. Maybe there is an option for Muller and Musiala to play together. We'll see about that. But as of now, it does seem that Mueller will take a backseat to Musiala and that Mueller was not quite successful in beating out Eric Maxim Chupo Moting for the number nine role. So where does it leave Mueller right now? He's a man without a position. Julian Nagelsmann said this week that... Thomas Muller will not be considered for the wings either. So if he's not going to play wing and he's not going to be the starting 10 and he did not win the job as a starting nine, which again, that all remains to be seen. uh, He's in a tough spot. How long do you keep a player like Muller happy? How long can he thrive in this type of environment where he's not going to be playing a lot? He is now, if you believe everything that's been out over the past week and a half, He's in a position where he is a substitute player. And to me, I I still feel like, even though there are, you know, there's a large segment of people who believe Muller has had it, that he's done. I don't think he's quite done yet. I think he still has something to offer. I just don't know now if he's going to get the opportunity to do that at Bayern Munich. And if this becomes a situation where he becomes a clear substitute, uh, I mean, let's face it, it's despite... Musiala's relative, relatively frail physique, he is a a player that when he comes off the pitch, he's noticeably not there. So as much as I think Byron and, and Julian Nagelsmann would like to rest him and keep him fresh and healthy, it's going to be tough to take him off. I mean, will Muller be happy taking 30 minutes a game from Eric Maxim Chuba-Moting? I don't know. I don't think so. So it does lead me to believe that there is going to be a discussion at some point between Mueller and the club about where he fits in on the squad moving forward. If he has any chance of competing for a starting role and what things might look like moving forward in future years. And to me, if Mueller is not quite ready to accept being a substitute, which I don't think he is for another year or two, this could be a situation where we could see him request a transfer after the season. Um, And that would be unfortunate. And of course, like this is nothing new. When a superstar gets toward the end of his career and the club is looking to move on, have that changing of the guard, it's not uncommon to see players leave. We've seen it a million times over. But it would be a little bit sad, I think, for a lot of fans because Mueller has been ingrained as the heart of the club. He has come up through the youth system. He has been that player. That the team, the club, everyone could point to is whether he wears the captain's armband or not, he is a leader on the team. He is the voice of the team, the heart of the team. In many ways, the brain of the team when they're on the pitch. So it, it, this is a situation where, I mean, there will be some fallout from it. You cannot replace everything he can do on the pitch at this stage, even at his at his advanced age. And it's funny for me saying that he's younger than I am. Uh, I I don't view him as being done yet. I view him as still having something to offer. I just don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get at Bayern Munich. So I'll be following, and I know all of you will be, what happens with Muller. I mean, when he gets his chances over the, uh, the coming weeks, he's going to have to perform if he wants to get back in the lineup on a regular basis. And listen, I would not be opposed to pushing Musiala out to the wing. I actually think he's a fantastic winger, maybe the best one on the team when he's at his best. I'm also not opposed to the team shying away or moving away from the 4-2-3-1 if they think Mueller is one of the best 11 players and then they need to, to change the formation to get him on the pitch. I think in many ways, that's what happened earlier in the season when, when Nagelsmann was using that 4 triple, 2 he wanted to get his best 11 players out there. So one way to do it was to shift the roles and responsibilities around and how the players were aligned. And I think the one thing we have seen, if you're if you're in the hashtag Muller Mafia and you saw all this news and you're processing it and you're not happy about it, I think the one thing you can take away from it is that Nagelsmann does appreciate Muller and understands what he brings on and off the field. And that Nagelsmann is not afraid to change things up and use a different formation. So I wouldn't be shocked if if Mueller works his way into being one of the best 11 um, if he's not there right now. I do think Nagelsmann will consider changing things up again to get those best 11 players on the field working together. The third thing that we learned this week involves another player that we referenced in that opening segment, Lovro Savonarik, who... The Croatian youngster looks like he will be heading out alone this summer. So one of the good things about Bayern Munich in, in recent years is that they have recognized that uh, the regional league is not exactly the best proving ground for some of their brightest prospects. So we did see players like Gabriel Vidovic move on and uh, be able to take a loan elsewhere. We've seen Joshua Zerksi in the past. And just a host of other players move on so they could test themselves against a higher level of competition. Zivonerick is in a very, very odd spot because again, he is one of those players who it, it's kind of funny that the uh the talent base at Bayern Munich all like their best young talents are all attacking midfielders. And Zivonerik, while he can play some other spots, he's played a little bit of wing. He is most known again as being a good attacking midfielder. So with that and seeing that the backlog that they have, sending him out on a loan to me is a no-brainer. And I hope that they can find a good destination for him. And by good destination, I don't, you know, I don't mean he has to go to a top club or anything. He has to go to a club where he's going to be an important part of the team. He's going to have to have a chance to have a lot of minutes. Uh, otherwise, it ends up being a non-productive loan, which is partly what we've seen in some of the moves in the past for, for Bayern Munich's loanees. They end up in these positions where they just simply do not get enough time. A good example is uh, Malik Tillman over with Rangers, who has gotten a lot of time and who has been able to show different parts of his game. And if you've been following Tillman's loan, you can see that there are some extreme highs to his game and extreme lows. So... The one thing that you can bank on is that those extreme highs have opened enough eyes that if Bayern Munich wants to sell Tillman, again, another attacking midfielder, uh, they will be able to this summer because I think he's piqued enough interest uh, with his performances that even though there's some up and down associated with him, he he's done enough to really intrigue some other clubs. But as for Zvonaric, he, he's going to get that same opportunity. And I feel like Bayern Munich will, will absolutely be looking to send him to a good club. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up in Austria because I feel like the Bundesliga there is, would some of the clubs would present him the chance to be that important player to get a lot of minutes and for Bayern Munich to really see what the kid has up against grown men. And, you know, when we talk about these kids, it's always funny because we, we hear so much about Zvonorek's potential and how good he is. It's sometimes easy to forget that he's just 17. I mean, he is just a 17-year-old kid. And how he develops in the coming years, nobody knows. But he's got just so much room to grow. And he's shown so much already that I think he's he's warranted this type of move. And I think if he ends up in a good spot, he's going to be able to show what he can do. And again, it will present this whole other issue to Bayern Munich. What do you do when you have so many attacking midfielders especially young ones who are so good what do you do where do you put them all so at, at a minimum if these kids are really as good as as they look right now and Zvonarec being you know among probably the top 3 or 4 prospects on campus uh it's going to give Bayern Munich some interesting options some uh some good pieces that could perhaps be worth a little bit on the transfer market And at a minimum, it gives them some great organizational depth for a very important position. The fourth thing that we learned this week is that the Bayern Munich goalkeeper situation, which we we touched on ever so briefly earlier, it is just still crazy. And the biggest thing that came out of it this week is that there is some internal doubt at Bayern Munich, something that I've expressed here, uh, that Manuel Neuer will be able to return the top form. And given that, The club is is more than willing at this point to bring in someone on a longer-term contract, not just someone, but a starting-caliber goalkeeper, someone who not only would be brought here to compete with Noir, but who could probably usurp his position. And that's what's very interesting. So all the talk around Jan Sommer, I mean, to me, it was always curious because Sommer's, you know, in the last year of his deal, he's looking at a situation where, you know, if he took the loan to Bayern Munich or he took made a permanent move to Bayern Munich, he would be able to come in and be the starter for six months and really show what he could do, almost like a showcase, so that any other deep-pocketed club in Europe who had any sliver of a doubt about him, he would have the opportunity to prove them wrong and then set himself up to sign a monster deal in the offseason. As it stands right now, if Bayern Munich were to bring him in, They'd be looking to lock him up for a couple of years, which to me is, it's very interesting because it says a lot about where things stand with the current crop of goalkeepers. Of course, you have Neuer and the the doubt I just mentioned about his ability to return from his injury and, and be able to reach that same level that he had. So there's that. Then you have Sven Ulreich, who I think the club is comfortable with in the Bundesliga, but maybe not comfortable with when it comes to European competition. Then you look over at AS Monaco and you look at Alexander Nubel, who is supposed to be the goalkeeper of the future for Bayern Munich. But not only is he reluctant to, to make his move back, although, you know, if you read the latest reports, there's some feeling that Nubel hasn't closed the door completely yet. That part makes me wonder if he now is learning something about Manuel Neuer's injury, something that might indicate that Neuer could have a tougher return, uh, especially to top form. Neuble, depending on who you believe, has either closed the door on, on coming back to Bayern Munich or might be interested. And like I said, the most recent news is that he might consider coming back, but either way, it's very uncertain. The younger goalkeepers we mentioned earlier, they're just not ready yet. So I think if you see Bayern Munich make this move for summer, and right now it looks like they have to double their offer. It seemed like they were ready to offer 4 million to 5 million euro Gladbach wants somewhere around 8 to 10 because they want to be able to have enough cash to procure a starting level goalkeeper for themselves if summer leaves. That all makes sense. I don't fault Gladbach at all. But it does open up this whole picture about what the future looks like in between the sticks for Bayern Munich. And I, it's not just the club. I definitely have some doubts about what Neuer can do and how he can make his way back. Uh, this is not an easy injury. And of course, earlier in the week, we saw conflicting reports about the severity of his injury and that Bayern Munich might be covering it up. Um, To me, this was an easy story if it wasn't true to deny by his agent. But so far, there has been nothing. And without a denial from the club or a denial from the agent, there's nothing to disprove that maybe Neuer was hurt worse. And I understand that the recovery period would be about the same either way, that it would take whatever it might be, eight to nine months. But it could be more difficult for him, if it is more severe, to regain his quickness, his explosiveness. Uh, and of course, for him, it's so important for him to have that relative explosiveness. Now, we're not saying he's Leroy Sané or, or Timo Werner or someone like that who can, you know. You know, turn on the, uh, on a dime and just and, and sprint and and be away from everyone. It's relative goalkeeper quickness and it's so key for how Neuer processes the game, what he sees, how quickly he can move to a ball. I mean, he is one of the more, if not the most, risk taking goalkeeper I've ever seen. And he's able to do that and be successful playing that way because of that quickness that he has. And again, we're not saying he's killing Mbappe. We're saying for a goalkeeper and his style of play, he requires a requisite amount of quickness to be able to maintain that style. I think there's doubt that I have. I think that the club has doubt. And I think if the club is able to get somewhere, I do think it would be a two-year deal at a minimum just because I don't think that anyone's quite sure what the future will look like for Neuer and that Neubel might have not just shown um, that he's disinclined to return, but also might have pissed off some of the Bayern Munich executives with his refusal to return from his loan. Now, I know that AS Monaco is a factor there as well, and and they wanted to have their own replacement in hand before letting Neubel go. But Nubel said a lot of things you know, at the beginning of this whole process where, you know, he was more comfortable with AS Monaco. He wasn't thinking about coming back to Bayern Munich now or whenever Manuel Neuer was there, which, again, is, is a little bit weird to have such strong feelings about it. But um either way, there's doubt about Neuer. There's doubt about Neuble. There's certainly doubt about all right. So where Bayern Munich stands now and what they can do if they go to get summer, I can assure you, Getting summer while well, everything will be made nice publicly, that will piss off Neuer, and he will not be happy about that. That much I can assure you, when your captain's not happy, you know, things tend to trickle down in the locker room. The captain's unhappy. Anybody else that's unhappy starts to be a little bit more vocal. Uh so there are some ramifications that could occur. Uh, things definitely could happen, but as of right now, Bayern Munich is riding Sven Ulreich (laughs) and uh, you know, they're still working on getting a deal done. In the end, I do think they're going to get Jan Sommer. I think it's going to happen. And I think that just opens up a whole nother can of worms for Manuel Neuer and and what his future might look like at the club. (sighs) Finally, the fifth thing I learned this week is that I am super excited for the second half of the season. And, if you followed along and of course you all did because you're listening in this podcast, you're checking BFW. So we know you have followed along through Bayern Munich's path and the Hinrunda. You've, you saw that there were some really great moments. Um, there were some choppy times, but overall you have to say, it was a very successful period. Julian Nagelsmann was able to work through different formations, different player combinations, a lot of different things to be able to get the team to come together and to really pull off a very successful Hinrunda. If you want to look at that and take away all the positives, you should definitely be excited about the second half. Of course, there were some down moments. There were some injuries. There were some players griping about their roles and their playing time, and that's all natural. But right now, the second half of this season offers a lot. Today, and granted the, the Rook Ronda has not started, we're seeing a competition for the Bundesliga. It's not quite like years past where Bayern Munich was already a shoe in Seeing that there's no Neuer, seeing that there's no Luca Hernandez, seeing that Masraoui is out, seeing that this club has not really settled into a formation, it leaves them very susceptible, which is exciting for mostly all fans. Uh, To me, it's a wide-open race for the Bundesliga title. I do think Bayern Munich's going to come away with it, but we're going to see some exciting games. We're going to see some fun matches, and I think that Bayern is not going to be quite as dominant as they were. As for the DFB Pokal, we're absolutely going to see some fun there. Bayern is still the favorite, like they should be, but things do get a little more tense now. Uh, It will be very interesting to see how Mainz and and any other clubs that Byron might face in the competition approach Byron at this point, do they step up and try and go toe to toe with Byron and try and take advantage of what could be a weaker defense and could be a weaker goalkeeping situation? Uh, Or do they play it safe, try and sit back, absorb some punishment and hope for one lucky counterattack goal. It's all going to be a fascinating uh, view from the top for us as fans, because we're going to get to see how these clubs strategize to playing What is a little bit of a wounded Bayern Munich team? And, of course, like wounded is all relative because there's still an overabundance of talent on the club. But, uh, you know, how all that talent comes together, how it all functions on the field, how Nagelsmann gets through to it, and if he can continue to have his messaging sink into the team, um, that all remains to be seen. And I think it's going to create a very fun atmosphere in the Bundesliga and the Pokal. As for the Champions League, I mean, it does not really, at this stage, get any bigger than Bayern Munich versus PSG. Uh, Bayern Munich is absolutely going to have its hands full of PSG. Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, how do you stop that big three when you're really missing your best defender and your best goalkeeper? Bayern is going to have to take a look at changing how it plays, which I know is sacrilege to a lot of people because Byron should always be the one dictating the tone, tempo, and pace of a match in most people's eyes. But I don't know that you can do that against the explosiveness of Mbappe, the guile of Messi, and just everything else that Neymar brings to the table. As you know, I'm not a huge Neymar fan, but I will acknowledge he's a superior talent And he is a matchup nightmare for Bayern Munich as well. Now, what you can say is that Bayern does have some defenders that are capable of handling this type of pressure, that they've already done it. Um, You can say that the midfield is experienced in dealing with these three players, especially Kimmich and Gretzka, are no strangers to Neymar, Mbappe, or Messi. And you can also say that the core of attackers, no matter who is out there, has proven that they are quality on the big stage. I mean, Sadio Mane, when he is able to return from injury, and it's funny we haven't even mentioned him because his his injury has kind of been pushed to the background of everything. He has been a player who has been at his best in the Champions League. You look at Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané. I mean, they've all had just dynamic moments in the Champions League. Thomas Muller has, has been excellent. Jamal Musiala, you have so much talent there. And to me, it's going to be a tremendous matchup. And as I started out this podcast by saying, PSG is probably going to be the one that's favored, and, and they should be at this point. But Bayern Munich, at the very minimum, is going to provide fans entertainment over the course of this Rook round. So there is every reason to be excited about it. You should be pumped up. This is the time to be excited. Before all the day-to-day grind starts, and you know we'll be with it at BFW step-by-step, every story that drops, Every transfer rumor, every injury, every a disagreement between a player and a coach will be there. But before all of that starts to happen, you have to have some level of excitement as a fan. You have to be able to anticipate things and, and look at it and, and say, like, this is a good time to be a Bayern Munich fan. Mm-hmm. It's, listen, everybody loves winning. Everybody loves dominance if you're a fan. But this is one of those times where I think you can sit back. And you don't quite have that assurance that Bayern's going to go out and win every match. They have the talent to do it, but can it all come together? Can they beat those high profile teams like PSG on a big stage? Those are unknowns right now for this particular group. And I think as a fan, you have to take it. You have to be excited about it. Maybe a little nervous, maybe a little anxious, but you got to enjoy this time because when that grind starts, and you get sucked into the stories about player unhappiness and disagreements and transfer rumors and who the big summer target's going to be then you're just constantly you're bopping from thing to thing you don't get a chance to sit back and enjoy things enjoy the sport for what it is which is the game on the field so right now enjoy the time think about the actual game and not just all the news and all the stories And you'll find yourself becoming a little bit more relaxed. And even though you might be uncertain about how things are going to play out, you'll realize that it's still a lot of fun to be a Bayern Munich fan. And it's still a lot of fun to follow a team through all the ups and downs and all of it, because it all leads to those 90 minutes out on the pitch. And in the end, that is the most important thing. So that will wrap it up for this week. Again, I'm as, streaming slacker and have not been able to get things on track because i have been insanely busy on the site if you haven't noticed i think i'm cranking out six or seven posts a day at this point but um you know it's been really uh busy there and i haven't been able to settle down and and really watch anything because the moment i start to lay down and pick up the remote at the end of the day i literally am passing out within minutes so I will get back to the streaming content and and watching some things. I, I have a backlog of stuff I need to watch that keeps growing. So at some point I'll get there. But we'll wrap it up here. I do want to say enjoy the friendly if you listen to this. Before that, enjoy the rest of the weekend. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our Tweetmeister Tommy Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I Need No Name with all of his infinite wisdom on Byron and all of his great takes at BFWINN. Keep checking out our podcast. We'll have a flagship show dropping Sunday night into Monday morning. We'll also have all of the coverage on Bayern Munich and Germany. You're getting it all. We are really covering everything that drops now. So uh, along with putting out some original pieces and opinions that I think will intrigue you as well. So keep checking it out. Have a couple of beers on me this weekend.